apparently um, an international team led by the University of Birmingham in the UK spotted a blast of light emitted by a star as that star was sucked into a massive black hole <sighs> and in the process was shredded. What a way to go. Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar and I'm here with my co-host Katie Kazmier. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. Okay, I'm kicking off with some muskew. Muskew, Muskew really. really. Elon Musk is just firing on all pistons. Um, what is going on with Elon Musk? I don't know, but I actually, for for the first time ever, I actually found a picture of him in an article where he looks okay. Really? Yeah, they caught him at the right angle. His, I think his left side apparently is his good side. And they got it. And they got it. Like, he just needs to block out the other side. And, and it must be that the work that he has had done is now, like, settling in a little yes, bit. Yes, the work is settled. He looks uh, more like a man, less like a cherub, less Campbell soup <laughs> child esque. Um, and he's in his little flat top, his little like tin tin haircut or whatever he has looks okay. Tin tin haircut. Yes, he's got kind of a the tin tin. It, it approaches wow. on a bad day. It approaches a Bob's Big Boy, but in this image, it's just tin tin. All right. So Elon Musk. Um, on allegations of him stealing Tesla. So apparently Elon Musk was not the original found one of the original founders of Tesla. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Okay. So it says here, CEO Elon Musk dismissed allegations that he quote unquote stole the automaker Tesla from chief executive Martin Eberhard, claiming that more of the workers at the electric vehicle company would have left with Eberhard if that was the case. So Ooh. apparently uh, Eberhardt, who's saying he's the one of the original two founders, he was fired from Tesla as CEO in 2007, which you have to be doing some pretty dirty stuff to get fired from the company you founded. But yeah. it can happen. Yeah. You know, so he was fired in 2007 for providing false information to Elon Musk, Elon Musk says it, and the board. Uh, and then when he was ejected from the organization, nobody went with him. And he said, that says it all. As far as I'm concerned. That's um, what how Elon left it? That says it all. Yeah, he's like, no one left with him. Like, no one no one went with Eberhardt. Everybody went with me. Like, you know, Team Musk. Um, Musk also called the information provided on Wikipedia about Eberhardt's role as sketchy. So if you go to Wikipedia, I, I, the information there, kind of, it says it glorifies um, his role. Does it say anything like, follow the Musk? <laughs> hashtag musk so it says the wikipedia entry for tesla states the company was founded by two engineers in 2003 martin eberhardt and mark tarpening uh the encyclopedia says that elon musk ian wright and a dude named jb straubel joined as the next three employees and were later allowed to refer to themselves as co-founders under a 2009 lawsuit so we got five dudes here um two two who started it and then three more who joined but they say that together they are the the co-founders so i'm assuming that the three new guys elon ian and jb probably bought something else to the company and changed it in some way um apparently in the lawsuit the automaker tesla accepted that there were five founders so it this is how this works i guess <laughs> you start a company Someone else comes along. If it doesn't, you know, you say, hey, join our company. Everything is going well. Uh, but if things don't go well, you get kicked out. They can still, you know, sue you to be included in history as a founder. Oh, Even wow. if they weren't there at the very beginning. Okay. So apparently they, there's super, there's a lot of beef between Musk and Eberhardt. He said, quote, Eberhardt is literally the worst person I've ever worked with. Oh my God, that's pretty, that's a strong statement. He said that on a podcast, because I think Elon Musk, if you've ever heard him on a podcast, I don't think he knows everyone's listening. Really? So like why? He seems like he's just like having a conversation. You know, like when people used to go on Oprah and she'd be like, you can tell me. It's like, you're on television. 
You're telling everybody in the studio me. audience and in the, in their homes. Yes. Who did in? Yeah. You forget. So apparently his claim that Everhart was literally the worst person he'd ever worked with ran afoul of some kind of uh, agreement they had signed, a non-disparagement agreement, saying that Musk would never attack the guy publicly. Oh, wow. So is he getting sued? Nah. Um, they're saying, oh, Musk also says that the article on Wikipedia is BS. He said, history is usually written by the victors, except on Wikipedia. Ha ha. <laughs> Real, wow, that's very cheeky of him. <laughs> yes. Um, he then went on to beg his followers on Twitter, Twitter to trash him on Wikipedia, leaving, to, leaving his page to have to be locked due to incoming vandalism. Oh, my God. Yeah, weird, huh? So basically, he's saying, look, if you were all that, everyone would have gone with you. Instead, they stayed with Elon, me, Elon Musk. And that's why I have the company today. Pretty weird. This beef, right? That is weird. But, you know, it goes to show you, it's it's about the dynamic of the team that you're working on or whoever you're working mm-hmm. with. Because there's always going to be problems and stuff. But if you have like a bad, uh, you know, kind of like a dynamic, yeah. it's going to make everything Awful. It's kind of like, I didn't see the social network. I don't know if you saw that movie about how, I guess, Mark Zuckerberg stole Facebook from some other dudes. Yeah, the, um, oh the God. Winklevoss twins. The Winklevoss whatever. twins, yeah. Yeah, um, so I feel like this guy is kind of like the Winklevoss twin. Oh, yeah, he's been Winklevossed? <laughs> he's, been, he's been Winklevossed or Zuckerberg. I don't know. I'm not sure which which eponym we should go with. I think the actor I, I Zuckerberged him, and he's been now Winklevoss. <laughs> yes. First Zuckerberg, then Winklevoss. Yes, yeah, so if you're the actor, you Zuckerberg him, yeah. and then if I, if you, your target says ah, and Winklevoss. So in this case, that Elon Musk is the uh, Zuckerberg. Yeah. So I guess now we should just call it musking someone. Yeah. If you musk someone, you kind of, uh, I won't, won't say that you steal something from someone, but you acquire it. Right, right. With a vivaciousness and personality and just sheer force of will. Yeah. Also DJ skills. <laughs> because Elon Musk. He's used his DJ skills to, to <laughs> yes. wrestle control of Tesla. He mixed and scratched until he came out with the, uh, the keys to Tesla, right. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but in any case, the the big deal about this article is, that it is a nice picture of him. That's really good. That's good news. I'm glad yeah. to hear it. Good, good for him. All right, what do you have? Okay, um, this is animal news. Nice, a barnyard news or just animal? Well, barnyard news because okay. they are found in the barnyard. Okay, so this is barnyard news—a segment where we report on animals in the barnyard or out of the barnyard, also known as animal news. Yes. So this one is uh, feline friendly. How to build? <laughs> is that? Are you saying it's feline friendly, or that's the the title? Of the that's the title. It's feline okay. friendly. How to build rapport with your cat? Wow. That's, yeah. it, first of all, it's not going to happen. If the cat wants to have a rapport with you, they will. If not, you can forget about it. No, you can build a bond with your cat. You just have to work on it. So like there's a, there's <laughs> there's a new study. And the role of cat eye narrowing movements in cat human communication published online. Yes. What? Yes. People are studying the way that a cat narrows its eyes. And if you mimic mm-hmm. that eye narrowing behavior, you can build rapport with your cat. Oh, wow. I do that to people all the time when I'm like skeptical or unhappy. I narrow my eyes. I, maybe I should be working with cats. You should be working with cats. Cause get me. It's, it's a natural, if it's a natural, um, uh, thing that you do. What what so, does it mean? So basically, the iron narrowing action by humans generates something known, popularly known as a cat smile. It's they call it like a slow blink. All right, so imagine okay. yourself. It seems to make um, the human more attractive to the cat. More attractive as because all right, so the eye narrowing source as a partner. <laughs> Like in what way? Because keep in mind, these are still, you know, predators. Yes. Okay. This is what, and this is the way. Eye narrowing movements in cats have some parallels with a genuine smile in humans. So when a human genuinely smiles at you, 
And you can tell in your building rapport. Like you guys, can, okay. the two of you can smile at each other genuinely. And it's a little bit of a rapport. So I, narrowing your eyes is like a smile to a cat. Wow. And that explains why I have a friend who sometimes I will cat sit for them and I don't like their cat. And whenever I see it, I kind of scowl and I narrow my eyes. This cat loves me. And that explains it. Yeah, there you go. I think I'm giving the cat the evil eye. This cat's like, this broad's all right. That's probably why. Like when when you don't like cats and you look at them and give them a side eye, they're like, oh, I'm in love. Yeah, (laughs) that's so cat too. (laughs) Like they would, only a cat would be like, give me side eye. I'm all about it. You know, like side eye. Yeah. And then and then basically um, squinting, they yeah. like it. So it, it, they did the study and it revealed that cats are more likely to slow blink at their owners after the owners have slow blinked at them compared <laughs> to when they don't interact at all. Huh. Yeah. Is that interesting? It's a... Yeah. And when in a research experiment... There was the, the scientist found that cats were more likely to approach the experimenter's outstretched hand after they slow blinked at the cat. Wow. Compared to when they had the neutral expression. This is fascinating because my mother, I like cats. I just don't really like the one cat I was referring to earlier, but she doesn't like cats at all. And I think she probably does the same thing. They love her. They can't yeah. stay away from her. They're like fighting to get to her. And she's not a fan. And I'm, I'm sure that she squints at them too. Yeah. When she sees the cat, she just looks unhappy. And for her, that's like squinting the eyes a little bit. And that's why they run to her. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to bond with a cat or any cat that you meet in the street, the great way of enhancing. <laughs> I like that idea. Just <laughs> really? If, just if you want to bond with a cat on the street. <laughs> Try narrowing your eyes at them um, as you would in a relaxed smile. Followed by closing your eyes for a couple of seconds. You'll find they respond the same way themselves. You can start sort of conversation. So I'll kind of do the squinting a little bit and then close my eyes. Yes. So when I open them, they'll be right up on me is what you're saying. Yes. So (laughs) right up on you. (laughs) That sounds like a cat. Um, So this is a way that we can understand cats and improve um, feline welfare. Okay. <laughs> Thank goodness. And just like if you go to, like, if you were a vet or you're bringing them to a shelter or something like that, if you can ah, interact yeah, with them yeah, a little yeah. bit. Uh, so a slow blink is perceived as positive to the, from, and from the cat's point of view. So I, I predicted that the article was, well, first of all, written by cats. And it would say, if you want to, like, build a rapport with cats, I mean, sardines, <laughs> mice. bird left on the ground with a broken wing yeah so you can really get close to them by doing this how do you feel about cats i'm scared of them okay Um, i didn't know that look i've never i don't have a cat um so i've never observed you with cats i yeah when people have cats in their house like they tend to like jump at my feet uh or you know come they are just kind of like attack not attack in a bad way but they're just mm-hmm. suddenly they they make a move and i i can't stand it it gets me stressed out so I, I understand I, why because they're shady characters yeah but if i see them on the street i don't care like they don't so you don't you don't cross the street if you see like a random cat you're not like i'm out no I, you know i say hello to them i'm like hi kitty you know that's 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 all i do but if i'm in somebody's house with a cat i'm always on guard yeah, I, I like cats. I would say I don't like cat people. <laughs> I, there's just something about them. I find them very bizarre with their pets. How um, is this? Know. Uh, if are these the people that own multiple cats or even just one cat? You don't. It, it depends on how they treat the cat, because I feel like. Um, you know, they, they are lavishing all this attention on the cat. And I feel like when I look at the cat, the cat's like, I'm about to eat this bitch any second now. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the owner is smiling at the cat's face and the cat's like, ugh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, what I have I guess, to put up with. Yeah. All this for, you know, some fancy you know, some feast. Fancy feast. Exactly. <laughs> well, we know fancy feast marketing works now. 
Because that's the only cat food I know. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I'd like to know more about cat behavior. I don't know anything about it at all. I, I kind of, when I see a cat, I basically just see like a, a, a lion that's been shrunken down. And that lion is very frustrated with its lot in life. Okay. Well, there are some other things that we know about cats here. Um, they haven't been studies, studied extensive, as extensively as dogs. But what we do know is this. They won't um, have it. They just won't have it. So cats have been shown to attract and manipulate human attention effectively through solicitation purring. <laughs> solicitation. Yeah. So they're just like purr and then, you know, watch what the human does. Um, cats can discriminate their names from other words, even when huh. unfamiliar humans are calling. They know I their name. Know that. Okay. And cats may be sensitive to human emotional cues and will rubber butt their heads against an owner who feels sad. Oh. So I tended to think all of those behaviors were just things that the cat wanted to do, regardless of what's going on with the humans. But maybe I'm wrong about cats. Maybe they are becoming domesticated finally. You know what? There's cats all over the place where I'm at now. Outside. Oh, really? I'm going to try this. I'm going to narrow my eyes at them. Like just like them. local uh, free cats? Yeah. Just like, yeah, some of them are pets, I can tell, but some are not. And there is one that sits by the the grocery store. It's a big calico named um, Polly. Okay. How do you know it's named Polly? Because everybody says, hi, Polly. Really? feeds it. And then they, one guy said to me, hey, this is Polly. <laughs> Let me introduce you to a little guy named Polly. <laughs> yeah, basically. Welcome. <laughs> Have you met Katie? <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. And does this cat have personality or is he just like large, like a large presence physically? Large presence physically and will just sit in the middle of the sidewalk like I don't care. So that, that to me, that is classic cat behavior. Yeah. Just not caring at all. Yeah. It some, just shows you how they don't fear anything. Yeah. Just some, sit in the sidewalk. Some little kid started walking up to the cat and the father's like, do not touch that cat. <laughs> That's Polly. <laughs> Don't be a fool. <laughs> like, like we love you, little Billy, but come on. That's Polly. <laughs> wow, Polly the cat. All right, yeah. I like it. Everybody walks by Polly. Hey, Polly. Wow. The cat's yeah. training people. He's yeah. probably going to communicate and be like, "It worked." Yeah, and he knows his name because we know I, now from the study that cats know their name. Yeah, I got a name, and I'm outside the. I'm working outside the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> It's like my cousin's just working a bodega. I've got a whole market. <laughs> right. I'm on top. <laughs> this is Big Polly's corner. Big Polly. Back off. Yeah, that's a better name, Big Polly. Yeah. Don't mess with him. I wonder if other cats are just not allowed to be. That's like his territory. Yeah, I don't see any other cats around. Well, Big Polly took care of it. Yeah. <laughs> so what you, funny. What do you have? I have um. So I got some booze news, some beer news. Oh, actually. yeah. So this is something I, I was not aware of this. I don't know if you were, but apparently Dunkin' Donuts and Harpoon Brewery make donut infused beers in the fall. Do they? It's like a seasonal beer. They've got um, four flavors here. Dunkin' Pumpkin oh. beer. Dunkin' Coffee Porter. A Dunkin' Jelly Donut IPA, I take issue. And a Dunkin' Boston Cream, again, I'm taking issue with that. Now, IPAs are, are very dry. And they make they are infusing them with the sweetness of a, of a donut? Of a jelly donut. Jelly donut, specifically. So it, have, it would have like kind of a fruity taste to it then? Yeah, I have no idea. I, have, I, I didn't know this. I love Dunkin' Donuts. Um, my favorite donut there is the Boston cream. I don't know how I feel about knocking one back, knocking a cold one back, <laughs> but I would like to try. It says Harpoon Duncan pumpkin is donut infused, uh, as, as well as the Harpoon Duncan jelly donut IPA and the Boston cream stout. So they actually are using real donuts to infuse the drinks. I don't know how they're doing this. I don't know how they do it either. I'd like to take a tour of that brewery yeah so the the 
The spice latte ale is brewed with real pumpkin, pumpkin pie spices, and coffee. That I get. Mm-hmm. I can see how you would be able to infuse those flavors in. But a jelly donut? I don't know. I have no idea. It says, after more than two years and three seasons of collaboration, our fans have come to expect a delicious fall beer from us. And we wanted to give them something extra special this year. Our brewers have always been masterful innovators, but brewing beer made with real donuts was a first for them. I don't know how that they they could do that with real donuts. No, they say it's hard to pick a favorite of the four recipes. That sounds like to me she didn't like any of them. <laughs> Just like it's hard to pick a favorite donut, but we hope both our our beer fans and Duncan's fan have a blast trying it. So they sell them uh, in assortments. Like you can get you know a couple of each and a pack together. Can you order them online? I've never seen these. I'm, I'm going to, a lot of the supermarkets around here have pretty decent beer selections. And I ha, I do go to a couple of like beer caves, I guess, or whatever you want to call them, where, you know, it's just like a beer, you know, a supermarket full of beer. I've never seen Dunkin' Donut beer before. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you can, or I've ordered wines and liquors before. Can you order beer? Seems a bit down market, but I guess you could. Yeah. I feel like if you order a beer, it just, it doesn't come, it comes in like a week or two. (laughs) Just like a guy drops it off in your front door. Yeah. But that's the thing, I guess, if you want to get these specialty. Yes. So yeah, Dunkin' Donut and Harpoon. So Dunkin' Pumpkin, Dunkin' Coffee, Porter. That sounds good. But the Jelly Donut IPA and the Boston Cream. Like, what does the Boston Cream taste like? Oh. Like a vanilla, vanilla, first of all, what does Boston cream. cream even taste like? Maybe nothing now that I think about it. It's my favorite um, Dunkin' Donut donut, but I don't know what it tastes like. You Boston? can't describe it? No, I, Boston is what it tastes like, I guess. Boston. Tastes, like Boston. <laughs> tastes like Boston cream, cream from Boston. It's okay. Boston is all up in your mouth. Yes. It's a nice, soft, soft, chewable Boston. And a sweet, <laughs> a sweet Boston basically yeah so that's my, my beer news i'll try to find it okay um, but i have you know i'm not optimistic I, they're clearly not selling them in the donut shop although that would be really cool if i could pick up a six pack there when i pick yeah. up my dunkin donuts ah interesting yeah all right what do you have You're listening to Hey You Know It with Jaquetta Sotmari and Katie Kazmir. We're telling you how it is and how it should be. I have advice on advice. Awesome. Advice on advice is a segment where we found advice on the internet that stinks. And it's unqualified. And we improve upon it by giving our advice on the advice. Hence, advice on advice. So who's the advice from? Uh, it's Prudy. It's Prudy. Yes. I like it. How did you guess? Uh, we have our favorites. Yeah. I'm a Tracy. I'm a Dr. Tracy gal. You're a Prudy yeah. gal. <laughs> okay. So the question is, the agony is, <laughs> my son, Stephen and daughter-in-law Julia are expecting their first child and our first grandchild next month. Congrats. Yeah. I had what I thought was a good relationship with Julia, but I find myself devastated. Julia Julia has decided only Stephen and her mother will be allowed in the delivery room when she gives birth. I was stunned and hurt by the unfairness of the decision. What, that she doesn't want someone someone else's mom staring down her hoo-ha during the delivery? And try to plead with her and my son, but Julia says she she wouldn't feel comfortable with me there. I reminded her that I was a nurse for 40 years, so there's nothing I haven't seen. I well, you haven't seen that. <laughs> and you're not going to. That's the point. I try to reason with Stephen, but he seems to be afraid of angering Julia and will not help. I called Julia's parents and asked them to please reason with their daughter, but they brusquely and rather rudely got off the phone. (laughs) (laughs) I 
I've felt nothing but heartache since learning I would be banned from the delivery room. Stephen told me I could wait outside and I would be let in after Julie and the baby are cleaned up and presentable. Yeah. Meanwhile, Julie is now while she's like bleeding and, and exhausted and her hair is matted. Yeah. You know, <laughs> meanwhile, Julia's mother will be able to witness our grandchild coming into the world. It is so unfair. I always been close to my son, but I no longer feel valued. I cannot bring myself to speak to Julia. I'm being treated like a second class grandmother, even though I've never been anything but supportive and helpful. How can I get them to see how unfair and cruel their decision is? Oh, grow up. How old is this woman? 15, 16? Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, so many, so many issues with this. First of all, like, I don't have kids, so I haven't gone through this experience, but I don't, I think I want as few people there as possible. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing that this woman is, has invited her mother and husband into the, you know, into the birth room. Having the husband there is a new thing, first of all. Yeah. Husbands like, usually always... the dudes were well away from that entire situation. Right. Um, and if, 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 unless the, it's, it's great. You can have whoever you want there. Right. But generally people want people there who have helped them with, you know, the co coaching, the breathing, all that kind of stuff, like birth coaching, people right. who know what to do in the, in the delivery room. And I understand that this, um, this woman is like, I'm a nurse, so I should be in the room. But maybe she, her mother and her husband are her birth partners. Yeah. Do you know, maybe she's been doing Lamaze classes or, you know, or whatever with them. And she wants, they've been there with her through the whole pregnancy and she wants them there. It's her choice. She could decide at the last moment that she wants everybody out of the room. Right. It's and her they have to get out unless it's the doctor or the doula or whoever she's using. Yeah. It's totally her choice. Who wants yeah, this her. idea that like anyone could just be up in there during a really vulnerable moment um, for her or a beautiful moment. I don't know, whatever. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's her choice, right? Right. And you never know what's going to happen in there and you can't no. help a lot of people. It's not like. It's... What if she's modest? Yeah. And, and there's know, nothing wrong with that. right? There was a time when like video cameras were first invented oh, and like it was always like the father-in-law that's like, I've got a camera. Let me in so I can film this whole thing. And the, it, bewildered you know the, the pregnant women are like what are you even suggesting no yes. and then the guys will be like come on it'll be great we'll all watch the birth why because they had a video camera it's their new toy so they want to film something and i feel like too isn't there don't hospitals have some provisions on like how many mofos can be up they have be that, in the room and during the birth they also have provisions on filming now because that's like, if anything goes wrong, that lawsuit is right there. You know, the, the, the video is there and they could be sued. Also, I feel like, what about the, the nurses, the doctors and the assistants? Like, do they have any say in how many people, you know? Yeah. Like they're trying to do their job. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure every hospital has its policy, you know, how many people can be in there. I think this woman is extremely self-centered and is instead of letting, you know, the miracle of birth or whatever, uh, this child come into the world and have that be the main event. She wants it to be about her. Yeah. And why she's even bothering a, a, a pregnant woman and her partner with this kind of stuff is beyond me. I yeah. think she's ruining her relationship. Not only is she going to be cut out of the, the birth, I think that further down the line, her daughter-in-law is going to think twice. If she presses the issue, she's going to think twice about including her in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Who needs to see somebody give birth? Like, does she not trust her or something? Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's like a telenovela, you know, they don't, where that woman's pregnant and the mother-in-law's like, I don't believe it. Yeah. I need to see it come out. I want to, so they can't switch the baby. Yeah. Yes, so they can't to, switch babies. You know, but she's going to have like the rest of the child's life to like be around, you know, the child. We don't What's this second class grandmother? It's, it's, it's not, you're not the woman's mother. I think that's the issue. Yeah. Um, your grandkid doesn't need you that badly already. Yeah. And you know, your daughter-in-law, no matter, no matter how close, doesn't want her mother-in-law in there to look at yeah. her vagina. Yes. It's very, like, I've, I've only seen, uh, you know, what is the miracle of life that they made us watch in like health class? Yeah. And I was so horrified by it. 
that if I were ever invited to a birth, I would probably embarrass myself and horrify the the woman giving birth Mm -hmm. because I'm sure I'd be like, oh my God, you know, I would be (laughs) freaked out and grossed out and inappropriate. I don't know. I just don't feel like uh, anybody Mm -hmm. needs to be there. I don't think uh, unless they're wanted. Yeah, I don't think so either. Is it a thing? Like, do you, in your experience, do you, have you had any friends who have invited their mother-in-laws to the birth? No, nobody's <laughs> had the mother-in-law there. Barely, yeah. not even the mother. It's always not even the mother or nobody. Um, there was one friend of mine who was pregnant. She didn't have a partner, and mm-hmm. I went, and the cousin, her cousin, went. For support. For, yeah. And so they said only one of us would be allowed in the delivery room. Mm-hmm. And I, we both wanted to be there. We're like, oh, that'd be really interesting to see this. And um, so I said, you know, go ahead and choose whoever you want. That's fine with me. And she chose her cousin, which is appropriate. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It was, she, you know, she could only pick one person and she chose the person who she felt most comfortable with. Like, I don't know. I think if a, if a friend asked me to, to come to the birth, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to have some training ahead of time. Like I'd have to know that I'm there and I can actually provide some kind of support. Yeah. Otherwise I think I would be in the way, but I've been to plenty of abortions though. Oh, have you? <laughs> yes. Are, are, you, no are you, were you in the room for them or are you in the no, room? No, 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 it's not in the room. I mean, but I've, I've supported people. Oh, you know, okay. like I've gone to the clinics. No, I was not in the room. That would be oh. awkward. <laughs> yeah. I don't, again, another situation where you don't need me. Yeah. I don't have any medical experience. Yeah. What are you going like, to do? Like worst case scenario, I pass out. Now we have two emergencies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> God. All right. So what does she say? This is weird. This is, is this a new advice? Like it, recent? It looks it. It looks it. Maybe this is a millennial thing. Cause I'm thinking with, with our generation. No, nobody was in there. The yeah, man wasn't there. This was only from two years ago. So yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the advice is you can't, you shouldn't, you are entirely in the wrong. I say this <laughs> in the hopes that after the initial flush of in- indignation fades, you will be braced and supported by the realization that you've been acting badly and that you need to change. It's difficult to admit when one's been wrong, but there's nothing quite so clarifying as figuring out how to do better. Huh. Your daughter-in-law is giving birth, which is pretty difficult, painful, and an intimate process. She has every right to plan ahead for how many people she wants to be in the room for that. It's not about you. You're going to get to see your grandchild the day they are born. You will get to be in your grandchild's life for as long as you live. Nothing is being taken away from you. You are not being snubbed. Your daughter-in-law and your son are drawing totally appropriate boundary and you need to stop trying to argue with them about it. Frankly, I can't see why they don't want you in the room um, if, but I was a nurse, I'm a second class grandmother was your response to please hang out and read a book in the hallway while Julia is crowning. <laughs> yeah. Let this go. Do not rob this moment of its joy by keeping score and demanding more. Yeah. I don't know why people feel the need to center themselves in every time, you know, I feel like that she's one of those people. It's like, no matter what's going on, she's got to be like in the middle of it. Yeah. It's kind of a thing where, yeah, she's now like uh, kind of jockeying for um, some kind of um, status. And she just can't bear to have the other grandmother, the other grandmother. Um, having what she perceives as some kind of, you know, edge or advantage. I find this all bizarre. This is not uh, the way my family works at all. I think in my family, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody to come in there. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't think people will be fighting to get in. <laughs> be fighting to get out. Um, and, and there's no real pecking order for, for grandparents. There's no real pe- It's like you get what you get. Yeah. You know? This poor kid. I know. This poor kid is now going to have to um, equal, like, equally divide their attention and time between these grandmothers. Otherwise, there's going to be another letter to Prudence in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my you grandmother know, like, had a fist fight while I was crowning. That's yeah, why I was crowning. And uh, in the, the, I can never forget it. But the idea too that she's like, I'm a, I was a nurse for forty years. It's like, okay, what are you going to do? Great, yeah. What are you going to do? There's, a, you know what? They already have nurses at the hospital. Yeah. What are you going to tell who everybody? Who are Who work there? Right. She said, "What are you going to do? Tell them what to do?" Like, no. Yeah. 
Like she's just going to show up with a pair of plastic gloves and like a nurse's costume from like 1987. Yeah. <laughs> and just just push the other nurse aside, you know, and just start delivering. Yeah, probably. I don't know. It's weird. Strange. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I like that advice, though. You're wrong. You're wrong. 100%. Change. Yeah, change. It's over. So I have some uh, science news, and this falls under the heading of, you know, whenever there's something, a new phenomenon is discovered, and I don't understand it, I try to just read as much as I can. Okay. Uh, So this one was pretty interesting. This happened a couple of weeks ago. It said, astronomers report two new space oddities. Mm -hmm. One is death by spaghettification. I'm a little afraid of what that means but well it only affects stars and things out in the in you know outside of our planet so we're okay i think uh and the other one is called a stellar peacock so i wanted i love the word spaghettification yeah um, and so i was struggling to understand it so apparently um an international team led by the university of birmingham in the uk spotted a blast of light emitted by a star as that star was sucked into a massive black hole <sighs> and in the process was shredded. What a way to go. <laughs> Be sucked into a black hole. You'll never make your way out. of. Apparently the star got too close to the black hole. So that's on her, but the extreme gravitational pull from the black hole shredded the star into thin streams of material. And they've given the name for this, process or death i guess as spaghettification wow so the mouth of a black hole is called the event horizon well this thing got too close to the mouth and yeah. then got chewed yeah. shredded <laughs> <laughs> it was stuck in the gnashing teeth of the event horizon oh. and apparently they captured it um with telescopes did it scream I don't, it says as the, well, if it did, we probably won't hear the noise for some time. Right. 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 And also I'm assuming that this, we're seeing the light from this event. So it's probably long gone, Uh, but it would be weird if the scream showed up like in a couple of years. Right. Maybe that's like what, you know, when we get these random sounds from outer space and nobody knows what it is, maybe it's the scream of a dying star. Yeah. But probably proceeded by, yo, you're too close. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, so um, apparently as the process occurs, the spaghettification, some of the material falls into the black hole, releasing a bright flare of energy, which is what we can see. Um, And the flare comes just after the star is ripped to shreds. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So spaghettification. um, So they said... uh, they are excited to see this and they were able to investigate in detail, quote unquote, what happens when a star is eaten by a monster. There's the observation so, so scary. Yeah. I mean, if these gigantic, gigantic forces are out there. Um, so the observation showed that the star, the one that got eaten has the same mass as our sun. And it lost about half of that in the black hole. So I guess there's still crumbs of it about yeah, it's the like black a- hole that ate it was a million times larger than our sun. That's so hard to fathom. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, when you eat spaghetti and you slurp it up. Yep. That's basically what happened. That's what happened. And then some of the spaghetti fell back onto the plate. Yeah. I guess. But yeah, something that is a, a million times the size of our sun. Um, I can't really conceive of that. Can't either. But- this is what's happening out there. It just gives you some perspective sometimes when I think, you know. You think about like all the small yeah, things that are going on. There's so many things that are going on uh, that are out of our control. Basically, everything's out of my control. But it's pretty cool also that we have the technology to be able to detect these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to know that it's something, you know, our sun could just be shredded. Jeez. And spaghettification. Yeah, black hole wanders over, opens its mouth. <laughs> black hole wanders over. You get too close to it. Yeah, that's you it. Know. And we, as I say, if you see a black hole, you're probably in trouble. Yeah, but we'd be gone instantly if our sun was gone. 
Oh, yeah. If even a piece of it disappeared. Yeah. We don't even need the whole spaghettification. Just like if someone just took like a small, you know, a chunk. An, amu- an amuse-bouche out of it or something. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be out of here. Yeah. But yeah, spaghettification is the, the new word on this street. Okay. I like the astronomy it. world. You know? I like it. Now, what is the other one with the peacock? The stellar peacock, it, it appears to be, it's something called a wolf rayet. wolf dash rayet. It's a hot, bright, but doomed to imminent collapse in a supernova explosion. There's a star. It's a star. So it's, it's one, it's it's swan song, so to speak. Yeah. But okay. it's one, it's one in a hundred million. Um, this kind of a star, hot, bright, doomed to collapse in a supernova. And it leaves only a remnant behind like a black hole. And usually um, there, there's just one of them, but they manage to see a pair of them and they circle each other Okay. and make kind of like a spiral. So that's something else that they've observed as well. Wow. Pretty fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah. The, um, they found, a couple of years ago, they found one of these wolf rayets. It was 8,000 light years from Earth. I can't even... These are numbers and concepts that are, are really yeah. hard to grasp. Yeah. I, I like it, though. I find it fascinating. And the images are beautiful. So if, if people are interested, um, they can go to... There's a magazine called Cosmos, and it has really good coverage of these kind of... Um, these events and they explain things in language that even I can understand. Right. <laughs> and I don't know anything about astronomy or space, yeah. but yeah. So, so spaghettification. Yeah. And the second one is a stellar peacock. A stellar peacock. A wolf rat, um, a binary pair. I want to open up like, um, a bar called the stellar, called the peacock. wolf rat. Oh, the stellar the peacock. peacock. I feel like that gay bar is already open. Yeah. <laughs> They're wearing masks right now, you know, having cocktails. Right. Oh, everybody over at the Stellar Peacock is having a good yeah. time. Everyone, everyone to the Stellar Peacock, you know. Yeah. I like, yeah, so spaghettification and the Stellar Peacock, which is the Wolf Rayet star, hot, bright, and doomed to collapse <gasps> in a supernova. Oh, my God. That's so dramatic. Yeah. Hot, it's very bright, dramatic. and doomed to collapse. That's, that's one of the drinks at the, yeah. at the Stellar <laughs> Peacock. It's called the Wolf Rayet. Yeah. <laughs> right and doomed to collapse. Yeah. And so are you after you drink it. Exactly. If you have two, one's not enough, but two is too many. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you have? Okay. Um, hey, you know, there was an election. There is an election. You just say, hey, you know it. <laughs> hey. Hey. So <laughs> did you vote? Would you vote? If you did not vote or you're not planning on voting, that's called voter apathy, people. Really? Yes. And so what are the reasons for this apathy, especially in, in, this, in this day and age? I'm going to guess is people feel like the system doesn't work, is it? That, their, that their vote doesn't count or that their vote won't be counted. Um, uh, there's no one to vote for. Um, those are my four my guesses. I got five here. So um, oh. one of them is uh, lack of interest. Some people don't vote because they're just not interested. They give zero Fs. Yeah. <laughs> about the political system. It depends on where where you are, too, and how much contact you have with any kind of government, I think, has a lot to do with that. Like in a city, I'm pretty engaged in what's going on because it's the news all the time. You know, everyone's talking about it. We have a huge government system. But where I'm from, there's very little contact with the government. Unless you are, um, I won't say there's very little contact. People don't know about contact with government. They think about government as, you know, I'm going to get unemployment or I've got to go to the DMV. But they may not necessarily think about all the other ways that government impacts your life. Yeah, well, you know, since 1992, um, there's a decrease of voter engagement um, and it coincides with the rise of the Internet. because now, oh. now more and more people consume information through social media echo chambers, meaning like you... I think that would get people more interested, though, because people who before weren't talking about politics are talking about it, I feel like. Well, no. instead of, no, because instead of like reading the paper and getting the everyone getting the same information by reading the paper or watching sure. the 10 o'clock news and getting that same information, um, the, what the information they're getting is dictated by algorithms, showing them stories relevant only to them, 
according to what their friends and people they follow share. So it has a lot of consequences, these algorithms. Um, yeah. And I mean, I still read papers, so I guess I'm kind of uh, haven't seen the effects of that firsthand. Yeah. So if so, this the significant consequence of this is that those that don't want to engage with politics um, have don't have to. They don't have to, and so it's so that yeah. kind of lack of interest is on the rise. Um, so 1992. That was the year that I graduated from high school. Yeah, that general election, 1992, 77.7% of the population voted. That's a lot for us, though, right? That's a lot for us, yeah. yeah. And so it's gone down since then. Um, another reason people don't vote is lack of knowledge. They believe they don't understand enough about the government, the election process, or um, the individual parties. They don't know that's enough. That's fool's fault, though, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like that's an education issue. Also, the parties, too. Regardless of what party you're you're in, I feel like... If you're in a party, they should be educating you on not just what the party platforms are, but like how the process works. And I feel like both neither party really does that very well. Yeah. And I maybe on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Without the right political education, young people don't feel able to engage with with politics. Um, And that impacts young voter turnout. Um, What about also to the the young people I work with? They when they look at politicians, they just see corrupt insanity yeah and that's they see part- things that they don't want anything to do with you know it's like a, it's like a dirty yeah. sock on the street they don't want that yeah and, th- and they're not interested they're more interested in doing other things just think about this statistic only 39 percent of those under 24 plan to vote in 2017 compared to 68 percent of those between 55 and 64 yeah well that's a problem yeah i always say i'm gonna vote with the young people because yeah it's the future is what they're gonna have to contend with yeah um then another reason is disillusionment like you're saying that they don't trust or relate to um the political elite and they see um they see as not voting as a way to putting up a middle finger to the political establishment but it's not you're not really giving them the finger you're giving them all the power you know yeah but they're they will say that they're going to get it anyway, which is unfortunately what, like, cause I've had this discussion when, when I was teaching, I used to try to convince my students like, come on, you got to vote. You got to vote. And they're like, we have a choice of two. <laughs> in some cases, they're both in the same party. So what are we actually voting for? And I'm like, you know what? Vote and then run. I guess I would say. Yeah. <laughs> like vote and then run for office because this, this, you know, having a choice of two, for young people who are used to having myriad choices and things kind of catered to them, it's it's not doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't. And I don't think they see the difference between. Uh, so for the election now, obviously we see the difference. But for a very young person, it's like this old white guy, and this other old white guy. Mm-hmm. One is rich, um, and has been on television. This other guy, he's just been in government forever. Like, what's the you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference between this 80 year old and this 80 year old? Yeah. So they, people also believe that their, their beliefs aren't represented by the parties. Um, and they don't only have two parties and they don't trust because all parties with the track record of breaking their manifesto pledges, um, the campaigns are full of U-turns and outright lies, you know, so it's just like on both sides, unfortunately. Yeah. And so there's a lot of election fatigue and, uh, you know, and then another reason is um, safe seat residents. Yeah. Um, many people who don't vote are nonetheless interested in politics and even support a political party, but don't vote because they feel their vote would be wasted. These are people who live within um, constituencies with safe seats. The seats have the strong majority. Right, like up my neighborhood is like or, that. A lot of people are like, why? It's a only a Democrat can win. Yeah. So it's whatever Democrat get, you know, within the Democratic Party, whoever they decide to put up, that's the winner. Right. So it's just like they know that it's like, oh, you know, that everyone's going to go for Biden over there. Yeah. And so you're not even going to bother, you know, getting out of your chair. And then another reason um, that people don't vote, they can't. Um, Sometimes they're not allowed to. Felons. Yeah. For example, um, I, I think sometimes about people who are like living in rural areas where they don't have transportation and they may have mobility issues. Yep. Yep. And they can't get there. They can't get there. Um, 
Yeah. Like who's going to take them, you know, like an older person, maybe who's going to take them, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, I vote and, and most, and I, I always do it holding my nose. Yeah. But I do it anyway um, on the off chance that even though I live in a one district area, that it will send some kind of a message. Yeah. Um, but then there's always stuff. There's other things on the ballot sometimes. Yeah. Referendums, stuff down ballot. Yeah. There's all kinds of, you know, different, um, different questions that, people are voting on and it's you get into the practice of voting and you learn more with every every time that you go and I feel like a lot of the younger people are like I don't know enough I don't know enough you know plenty you You know enough you know enough to know the difference between two different (laughs) these two different parties or the two different candidates I know that too is not much of a choice but you you know enough to make a decision the other thing I've heard younger people say, and I'm just focusing on younger people because it's the only people I've had these conversations with. Most of the uh, adults I know are voting, yeah. you know. Um, but the politi- the two big political parties are very adept at avoiding the issues that young people are interested in. W- number one, the environment. Young people are terrified. They are, they're like, you guys have been destroying this environment. You're about to die, but we're going to be stuck here with these problems. Mm-hmm. Why is no party talking about that? Right, right. You know, like oh, Andrew Yang brought up the issue of the uh, tuition forgiveness and, and you know and things like that, but nobody like they 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 don't talk to young people on purpose. And I don't know if it's because they know they can't deliver, and that they know that if they betray younger people, they will be punished severely. Whereas older voters don't. I don't think we expect much from these parties. Right. Like I don't expect the candidates I vote for to deliver on more than like ten percent of the stuff they say. Right. Right. Because I know they're not going to, right? Right. But I think if they if they say to young people they're going to do something and they don't do it, I think they're afraid of the um, the blowback from that. And they should be, yeah. Because it's like you're just lying and making empty promises, yeah, to get the position. But it's really, uh, you know, now that I'm older, I, I I can't imagine like the first time I voted was uh, when Clinton was running for office and he was not 80,000 years old. Like he was someone who seemed young and seemed interesting. He energized a lot of people to young people to get out and vote. Yeah. I haven't really seen anybody do it as well as that. Right. Yeah. He was a, a big game changer at that time. He, yeah, he, he went on TV. He went to play the saxophone and that was like, what? Yeah, they were like, wow, <laughs> like the, the way it looks now to young people, it looks like, what do they call it, a gerontocracy? Yeah. yeah. It's like, if you make it past 60, then you get power. Yeah. And you can use that power to destroy things for people under 60. Or in this case, under 75. So depressing. Yeah. So I think that's, those are some of the reasons people don't vote, but I'm, I'm excited that there has been a large voter uh, registration right now. Like yeah. people are registering. So this, the, um, the mail-in thing, the early voting, I think voting starts soon in New York. I think we can go to the polls maybe on Monday. I'm not hundred percent sure. Oh, really? Yeah. They're doing, they're experimenting with early voting. We're having the mail-ins like people should be able to vote in as many ways as possible. If you don't, it makes no sense for, you know, think about someone who is, uh, 15 years old now that has been doing things online. And now you're telling them, I want you to go to this place, stand in line and fill out this piece of paper and then take that piece of paper and scan it through this like fax thing. And then put that in the folder. Cause that's what we have to do. Oh my God. It, it must seem like, you know, what do you want me to carve a wooden spoon with the name of the candidate I want yeah. next? You know, like, it makes no it makes no sense. It says to me that we don't want people to like the, the systems is antiquated. And I think it, it, it appears that we don't want people to vote. Yeah. It's cause they don't want people to vote. They don't want <laughs> people to do it because they want only a few people who are that they can depend on to go out to, to vote for. But also when you like in, in New York, the no one votes for mayor. People don't care. 
like in the Bronx, the turnout at one point was like 10% of people came to vote out for the, for the mayor. No one cares. Really? Um, people, people aren't interested at all. Um, they don't see that there's any difference between one party's mayor and another party's mayor. You know, it, it, people don't, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> they don't actually have the support of people. So if 10% of the people in the borough are voting and you got, you know, less than half of those votes, like who are you representing at this point? Exactly. Nobody. Exactly. <laughs> Your real estate interests, I guess. Uh, so does the article give any remedies or is it just talking about the reasons why No, people... just the reasons why. But the thing is, it's like, yeah, you don't have to be an expert. No. I mean, look at these assholes who get voted in. You think they know anything? They probably struggle at the at the ballot as well. Yeah. It's like, should I vote for myself? I don't know. What do I think about yeah, the right. environment? <laughs> That's I imagine that's what's what do, happening. What do I think about the issues that are important to me? Yeah, I can imagine certain politicians being like, yeah, who put this referendum on here? Yeah. Oh, wait, that was me. <laughs> Am I for this? That's how, that's how I feel about uh, politicians. And I think I'm being generous. Imagine what young people think. Oh, my God. I just, yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, voting is meant to keep to be complicated to keep people away look we still have it on a tuesday and it's like oh, makes no know? sense any other day it, any other day it's like it has to be the first tuesday of the month because that's when farmers when farmers would go to vote um they didn't want to go on a sunday because of church and then mm-hmm. the market was wednesday uh, that's when they put all their you know their grown goods to the market so they needed a day to travel to the poll and get there and then vote on Tuesday and then turn around and go home. And everyone knows market. how great people in agriculture are at running a country. Yeah. But that's the reason why we have it on a Tuesday and it doesn't make sense for the way we work and live now. No, if we, I mean, it's changing now and they're trying to fight it. I, I predict that after, after this election, it's going to get even easier for people to, to vote. First of all, these old, these people are going to be dead in like 10, 15 years. So they're, and their power, you know, other people will come into power. And I can't believe anyone could be as ass backward as them. And, you know, with the whole, when they stopped teaching civics in school, that was another thing. Yeah. On purpose, they had social studies instead. And so People don't even, I mean, I never had civics. I don't even, you know, I, you have to go and figure out what your rights are instead of being taught. Like that's why yeah, we didn't, people vote because they knew civics and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go do this. We didn't have civics either. And it was interesting when I, cause I went to a boarding school, the way they approach is they all have model UN, right? So that's oh. not just about running your country. It's about running the world. And these things are on purpose. Right. Like it's who they teach you what they want you to, you know, to have an interest in where what they want you to go into. Yeah. And so by eliminating the civics stuff, it's like it's made it very easy, I think, for the political process to be captured by very few people. Yeah. And it's it's really hard to I don't even know if someone said, hey, I'd like to learn about civics, like how how our government really works. I'm not 100 percent sure what what I would recommend. Yeah. You know, it's like, is there an online course that we all can take now during this pandemic to learn a little bit more about what our and rights are? Would you, would you trust it? Cause I've, I use government websites quite a lot to do research and to look things up. And under this administration, I, I can't say that I am happy about what I see on some of the websites. Yeah. I see what looks to me like significant changes and the changes look like, you know, super information. Yeah. Yes, they are. And so again, like I couldn't say to a young person, if you'd like to learn about the Chamber of Commerce, go to the Chamber of Commerce's website because you think the Chamber of Commerce is a government entity and it's not. It's actually just a bunch of crooks. But like you don't, you know. Oh, really? (laughs) How do you really feel about the Chamber of Commerce? (laughs) If you do do a little research, everybody do a little research on what a chain what the Chamber of Commerce is. And you'll, you'll, you'll see that it's not what you, you think it is. They have a, you know, they cloak themselves in the, and drape themselves in the symbols of government, but it's really just, you know, capitalists. Oh God. So yeah, there's a, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't know, you know, where to send people. Like if you, if you go to a lot of websites right now, especially under this administration, it's shady. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah, we, we have to get ourselves out of this somehow. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, spaghettification. Yeah, <laughs> spaghettification, spaghettification of our our existing uh, yes. governing party. Yeah, spaghettification. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at stitcher.com and at heyyouknowit.com. Thanks.